to have you with us. And uh, we would love you as visitors to join us afterwards. We have a sign that says Visitor's Lounge. It's not a lounge, but we want you to feel like it is. And so we would love you to come after the service, meet some of our leaders at the Visitor's Lounge. We pray over the coffee. There's even cake. We pray over the cake. We bind the fats, the toxins, the carbs. And so, I mean, it is, it is visitor-friendly cake. And we would love you to come get your slice of the action over there. And uh, welcome to those who have been coming for a long time. It's so good to see all of you smiling behind all of those masks. Aren't you glad we don't have to wear masks outdoors anymore? So you can now see each other and you can go, hey, have we met? Yes, I've been coming for two years. Oh, okay, okay. is that what your face looks like? So let's enjoy that moment. Hallelujah. So friends, uh, thank you, thank you for those of you who are giving so generously. Uh, we are going to declare over our giving today, as we usually do, that God will do a miracle with every cent that comes into this church. I want to just remind you, as we shared a few weeks back in our celebration service, and Chris shared so well, that if you are contributing, thank you for many who have contributed above and beyond your tithes, particularly this last month. Uh, in light of our call for finances, thank you so much. We do appreciate that. We do want to just reiterate, if you're doing an EFT and it is above and beyond tithes, please mark it as offering because we give about 24% of all of our tithes outside of this ministry, but offerings are used primarily just for what we do here. So if you are giving an offering above and beyond your tithes in an EFT, please just mark it offering. Otherwise, we consider everything that comes in as a tithe. That would really help our bookkeeper, Gerda Schmidt, uh, you can go and give her a hug afterwards and tell her, Chad, I will help you. So let's stand together and let's declare this over our giving because God is a good and faithful God. And he is going to do this for us and for every one of you as you give. So Lord, as we give our tithes and offerings this week, we are believing you for our nation to be transformed to reflect your glory poverty to be destroyed in our lives communities and society there to be no needy among us our city to be a place of justice and abundance favor on our businesses to create jobs a platform to influence economic systems blessing creativity and the ability to create wealth an army of lovers released to bring in the harvest living in wholeness holiness health and contentment your glory and presence resting on us we love you lord amen give him a hand for doing that receive it believe it thank you jesus for what you're doing friends we've got a couple of exciting things coming up uh we we once a month we do a corporate prayer meeting and every time we gather man god just does amazing things the presence at our last one was so thick myself and musa were just kind of stuck to the carpet it was a glorious aren't you glad we got a carpet in our office you know do not try that here you get little stones in the forehead. Wait until the floor's been smooth. But we have a prayer meeting coming up on the 7th of April. It is in our church offices. And uh, that takes place on, a th on the Thursday night from 6.30 to 7.30. We'd love you to join us for that. And then our ignition. We run ignition every month. So we run from the first Sunday of every month for four weeks. And if you have not done ignition, we would love to invite you. Ignition is essentially our course where we really 
teach you who we are as a church, what we believe, our foundations, our value systems, but we also teach you how to be a part and how to fit in and connect. And so this is in essence also our membership course. So if you've never done Ignition or you want to be a member or you just want to know more, maybe you're a new believer or you're new to this church, we invite you to come and do Ignition. That will be starting again next week Sunday from week one. And it takes place straight afterwards. Uh, we have a little tent at the back, a little gazebo, just behind the hall and that starts at 10 30 every single Sunday set that aside if you haven't done that we were so blessed to see Christo and Lucy go through that and they've been part of this church for years and they just said we've never done ignition so maybe there's some of you like that here we invite you to join us and then after the service we have a couple of people getting baptized hallelujah so we encourage you to join us it's just here in the driveway hang around for a bit and enjoy those baptisms with us amen everyone say god bless the reading of the announcements yes you know they can be anointed announcements we have an amazing moment now we had a, a, a couple of families dedicating their children one of the babies decided to not cooperate and be rather ill this morning so we have one family it's a big family oh no it's the Biggs family the Biggs family uh, we invite all of you to come up with little Danielle and we're going to dedicate little Danielle we've got a number of dedications in the second service as well God bless our parents for being fruitful and multiplying Johan, Iante, Danielle, you guys are an amazing family. I don't know how many of you know these people, but they are special people. They are Christ-like people. Don't, don't the rest of the family, Gramps, Grandpa, the others, we invite you to come up with us. You're very welcome. I, I know you're taking photos. That's fine. Do I look okay? I mean, I'm <laughs> Little Danielle, you're so gorgeous. You're so gorgeous. <laughs> So great to have you with us this morning. I'm going to ask some of our leaders to just come and join behind them. And when we do child dedications in this church, it doesn't matter what age the child is. We don't baptize babies. The Bible says that you need to believe and you need to repent before being baptized in water. And I think Danielle's a little young to believe and repent so we wait till someone is at that stage of believing and repenting but what we do know is that it's biblical to dedicate our children to the Lord and Jesus was dedicated on the eighth day at the temple and you are the temple that's the difference isn't that amazing your parents are temples of the Holy Spirit and so when we dedicate children we do a couple of things the first thing we do is we dedicate the parents because, you know, if a child misbehaves like when they get around 13, I don't know if any of you ever did that. I did it well. My parents didn't go back to the pastor and say, but we dedicated Andrew. What went wrong? We want our money back, you know. So dedication is not a guarantee of the child living like Jesus. We dedicate the parents that they would have wisdom to raise their children in the ways of the Lord. Just like that word, train a child in the way they should go. They will not depart from it. Thank you, Sammy. Sammy has an announcement. Um, there are triplets at the back of the hall who I thought my bad were coming to the second service, but they're actually here at the first service as well. These parents need a lot of grace, so can they also come up to the front for the dedication? Gosh, we nearly missed out on triplets. Guys, can you please clap three times for the triplets? Oh, come on up. Gosh. 
thank you, Sammy. I'm so glad we caught the triplets. Oh, one, two, three of them. Oh, man. Wow. This is turning into a nice holy, holy family huddle right here. Oh, you guys are so gorgeous. Look at them, Danielle. Welcome, guys. So sorry. Here you are in first service. We, we, when we stand with you as parents, we've, we've given them a video, we've given them a booklet, and so I don't have to preach a long sermon today because they've gotten the whole teaching. But what we do want to do today is as a church stand with them, as church leaders stand with them, and say we are praying over you as parents to have incredible wisdom. Because I don't know about you, but before I had children, I knew nothing about having children. God gives children to those who seem to know. And just as we figure it out, right, we become grandparents, we figured it all out, you know, we're not having children anymore. But when we look at these parents, we are saying over them, the wisdom of the Lord is upon you to raise them in the ways of the Lord. And so we're releasing that over you. We're dedicating you as parents as well. And then we dedicate the children to say, you belong to Jesus. You belong to your heavenly father. You know, in Hebrews, it talks about the fact that God disciplines, disciples us after our parents have for a short while disciplined and discipled us. In other words, God is the ultimate father. It says that you as parents will discipline, disciple them for a short while, but then God takes over for their good. So the whole role of dedicating children is to say, we acknowledge these are God's children, you know. These are ultimately his. He is ultimately their father, and our job is to hand them over to him. And then we as a church are standing together and saying, we receive these ones into our family, and they come under the covering and blessing of this church. Amen. So I'm going to ask some of our leaders to join us. They beg Jesus to lay hands on their children to bless them, and we are going to do that this morning. Amen. So church, why don't you stand with us, extend your hands, trust God. You know why they begged Jesus to lay hands on them? Because they knew there was power in this. This is not some kind of ceremony. This is the power of heaven being infused into these families. So release that faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. Just as Jesus laid his hands on the little ones and blessed them, we lay our hands on these little ones and bless them. We bless you now in the name of Jesus Christ. We release the blessing of heaven to flood you, to flood flood your homes, to flood these parents and the extended family. We release an anointing and grace. We declare right now the blessing of the Lord. We declare, you spoke about their angels that guide and protect them. And we declare, command your angels concerning them, concerning these homes, to lift them up in their hands. They shall not strike their foot against a stone. No harm shall befall them. No disaster come near these dwelling places and these families. In the name of Jesus, no plan of the enemy may succeed because these little ones are dedicated to you. We give these little ones to you now. We plead the blood of Jesus over them. Your protection, your provision, your prayer presence, your power, raise them, manifest yourself to them at an early age that they would know you deep in their souls. It wouldn't just be their parents' belief, it would become a deep belief in their hearts early on. We as a church receive them. We as a church release our blessing. We as a church say welcome to the family of God and the covering that comes with that. And we bless these parents with wisdom right now, wisdom beyond their years, wisdom and grace to raise these children prophetically and in the knowledge of the Lord. And and all God's people said, Amen. Let's give them a great big hand. God bless you guys. God bless, God bless, God bless. God bless. Man, I love children dedications. I could go on forever, but my wife will not let me. 
she is going to preach an amazing word. And so I'm going to hand over to my darling wife. Everyone say, God bless Pastor Darling. Thank you, Pastor Hanson. What do you mean I won't let you? I couldn't stop you even if I tried. <laughs> it's what I love about him. He knows what he, what he wants and he goes after it passionately. Thank you, darling, for leading so well. We are going to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for every person here. Lord God, thank you that there's a reason that everyone is here today online, outside, in the hall. Lord God, we just thank you that today you are doing a good work in every heart. Holy Spirit, I pray that no one would leave here the same. I'm asking, Lord God, that you would, you would deliver us from small thinking. You would deliver us from the lies of the enemy, Lord God, that we would see clearly today who you are, who we are in you, Lord God, and that the glory of the union between us and you would be shown to the world, that, that people would hunger to have what we have because of the life and the joy that is emanating from us. Lord God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You remember Infinity Wars? I'm going to get to the Bible right after this. But you remember Infinity Wars? And how Thanos looked at the world or the worlds and saw the chaos and made a decision to wipe out a, a large part of the population. You remember that? Sure. Now, it's only a movie. Praise the Lord for that. But it does illustrate a kind of thought, a kind of way of thinking that I, I find pervading society today. You see it on social media, you see it in movies, you see it in a number of places, and it goes something like this. The world is a mess, and we all win. Amen. <laughs> Praise God we don't live in Ukraine. But God, stuff is happening. The world is a mess because of people. And therefore, the way we fix the mess is to wipe out people. At the extreme end of this, this kind of story is just, just to save the earth, we just get rid of people completely. A more moderate one is just we just reduce the population. We stop, we stop people from being and things will get better. Now, when we look at the world, we, we will all agree there's some messes around. And we would all agree the primary perpetrators of the mess are human beings. But interestingly enough, when God wanted to solve this problem, unlike the time of the days of Noah, he decided not to wipe out humanity. He had a much better plan. He decided to become one of us. That's right. Good. And he started a revolution through Jesus Christ, that would change the world from the inside out, from, from the inside of us out. He would change mankind so that the world would be changed, so that the world would be saved, so that creation could live under the glory of Jesus Christ, under the glory of his, his rule and reign. Yeah. It's such a beautiful story. He, he came down to change us from being the perpetrators to being the solution. A very famous scripture says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right. You see, this was God's solution. Praise God, Thanos isn't God. Praise God, he doesn't exist. Praise God that Yahweh is on the throne. And he made a, he made a decision, he made a plan that is so workable and great. Today I'm going to continue where Calvin, Calvin left off last week. We are looking at 
a slide that is about to come up. There it is. We are doing a sermon series called Why Am I Here for Goodness Sake? The Question of Existence, Why Am I Alive? And we're going to be continuing the concept of image bearers that we spoke of last week. We're going to be going through uh, a passage of scripture. Mostly we're going to be spending time in Genesis 1 through 3. This week we're going to be spending all our time in Genesis 1 in three particular verses, just Genesis 1, 26 to 28. But before we jump into that, those particular scriptures and discover why we exist, what is the meaning of being human? What, why am I here? What is my purpose and what am I made to do with my life? How do I fulfill the calling of God on my life? Before we, before we look at that, I, I, want to, I want to paint a picture of you, so there's, for you, not of you, I couldn't do that. I want to paint a picture for you so that we can frame these three verses appropriately. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The most iconic, the most memorable start to a book in human existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The beginning of Genesis 1. In that statement, God is stating emphatically that he is the creator, he is the originator of all, that out of nothing, he created in an instance, time, space, and matter. Bam, there it was. There was nothing before, and now everything existed. The Bible goes on and says that, that all of this was, was kind of chaotic, it was formless and void, it says. And the darkness was over the face of the water and the, the spirit was hovering over the water. So he's created everything, bam, and it's all just there, but it's just this chaotic mass of time and space and, and matter, just all there. And then he says, into that he spoke, let there be light. And bam, light exploded everywhere. And then it says he began to order things. He separated the light from the dark, the waters from the waters, the seas from the land, and he began to populate everything with life. The Bible records it as six days of God ordering creation. And then at the very end, he looked at all of, right the way he's going through, he says, and it was good. And he saw that it was good. And at the very end, when he creates mankind as the pinnacle of his creation, he says, and it was very good. Some of the greatest controversy in Christianity must be about this chapter. Every, every Christian I, I talk to has a different view of how creation really happened. When I go into the sermon, what I'm not doing is raising those controversies. I just want to acknowledge them. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about young earth, old earth, science versus creation, the theology of, of creation. But what I am going to do is I'm going to invite you to become thinking Christians. I'm going to invite you to learn for yourself and not just take your view of this from popular Christian rhetoric. Yeah. I, w- I want you to dig deep and, and, make, and make decisions for yourself. So I have three books that I am going to recommend to you that you can go and look at. First of all, there is The Lost World of Genesis 1, and that is by Walton. 
John Walton, The Seven Days That Divide the World by John Lennox, and Navigating Genesis by Hugh Ross. If you want to have an argument with me about how creation happened, please read those books first. Right. Then we'll talk. You see, in this church, we, we want to accommodate many different views. In the essentials, we want to be absolutely clear and absolutely firm. Jesus Christ is the savior of the world, the only savior of the world. God, Yahweh, is the creator of all existence. He commands allegiance. He is worthy to be worshiped. He is the creator of all and therefore the definer of all. We do what he says. These are essentials. Jesus Christ, the savior, came. God came as man to save the world, to save you and me. He uh, he lived the perfect life. He died a sacrificial death so that we might be reconciled to God our Father and live the life that he has always destined for us. On the essentials, we are absolutely sure. On the non-essentials, we say, guys, let's just walk together. Let's just, just love and live together. And we can, all, we can all have slightly different views, but on the essentials, we're going to be absolutely clear. So I want to... I want to now jump to those, those three particular verses that we were, that I said to, and let me read them to you. It's, it's about the creation of mankind. Verse 26, Genesis 1 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. If you look at the scripture, you will notice two concepts coming out. And if you just flip to the next slide, those concepts will be underlined. First of all, man made in God's image. And the second one is that we have dominion. In some way, man is stamped with the picture of God. Mankind exudes a godness that nothing else in all of creation exudes. At the same time, we have dominion. And if any of you have been bitten by a mosquito, it's hard to imagine that we really do have dominion. It seems like nature has dominion over us. You know what I'm talking about? If any of you have had your car pockmarked by hail, oh my gosh, I wish dominion meant hail stop now. So what does it mean? What does it mean to have dominion? Let's start with the image of God. Earlier I said that God ordered the universe in what the Bible um, calls six days in a very sequential way. Interestingly enough, this segment of, of, of scripture, in fact, the whole of Genesis was, was written to Israel, was written about the time when Israel came out of Egypt. So about the time of the book of Exodus, at that time, this was written and recorded. And um, we understand that the Bible is written for us. Every, every verse, every word has significance to us in our modern day, but the Bible wasn't just written for us. 
It was, well, it was written for us, excuse me, let me say it this way. It was written for us, but it was not written to us. Yeah. It was written to an ancient people. And first and foremost, it must have been understandable to them. Because what would the use have been if God wrote the creation story completely understandable to a 21st century audience, but that was flying right over the heads of an ancient Near East culture? And you see, that, that ancient Near East culture needed some things. Those early Israelites needed something. They were living in, and marinating in the cultures around them. Israel had grown up in Canaan and been infused with the Canaanite um, myths and religions. They'd spent 400 years in Egypt marinating in Egyptian theology, so much to the point that when they came out of Egypt and, and had the first chance to worship God in the way they thought, they went and made a golden calf. They did it. They did it the other way. They, the, the culture that they were in was infusing their understanding of worship to that degree. So when God wrote Genesis to them, this is what you have to understand when you read it. He was writing to them in that context. And you see, an, an ancient Israelite, when they read Genesis 1, it would have blown their minds. Because it would have said to them, unlike everything you've heard from the cultures around you, there are not many gods who kind of created because they were busy fighting and this one created that and this one created that and there was this, this kind of warfare or, or contention amongst the gods that, that resulted in this, this, this reality we see around you. That these many gods had, had kind of a, each had authority over a certain thing and you had to woo that God. If you chose a God and you wanted him to bless you or her to bless you, you had to, you had to work hard to get their favor. And that meant building them a temple. Building them a beautiful temple that you had, had ordered very, very carefully. And then you would we'd try and wound them to come and rest in your temple. If they came and rested in your temple, then your nation would be blessed by them. And you would create idols out of stone or wood and, and perhaps the God would be so gracious as to come and in, inhabit that idol and then present to the world the image of themselves through that idol. And then your nation would be okay. But now when the ancient Israelites read this, oh my gosh, here was God ordering all of creation and then coming to rest in all of creation. That's right. What did that mean? To them it meant God created his own temple. Yeah. We don't have to make him a temple. He can be worshipped anywhere. It meant to them, when they read their creation account, there is only one God and he is sovereign over everything. He's not fighting or in competition with anyone. Right. He's in charge. He doesn't need us to make him a temple. In fact, he doesn't need us at all. But he wants us. Good. So it would have blown their minds. And then, instead of him making an image like fashioning from wood or stone a statue of himself, he created the image of himself in this living, breathing humanity. That's right. And the image of God was presented to the world not through idols, but through living, breathing people. 
And that wherever we went, the image of God was shown to all of creation. If you like, we are the idols of Yahweh. We are the picture to the world of who he is. He comes and inhabits us and presents himself to the world through us. They would have been blown away and it would have completely altered their worldview. We are made in his image. There are two defining statements about God in the Bible. First of all, that, that God is love. And the second, God is holy. God is holy is mostly spoken about in the Old Testament and God is love is mostly spoken about in the New Testament. But these are the two definitive, absolute statements made about the nature and character of God. He's holy and he's love. Therefore, our first purpose is to receive his holiness and his love. To receive righteousness from him and to receive love from him. And then our second purpose must be to reveal his holiness and love to the world. We should stand in every circumstance and when the world looks at us, they should say, oh, that's what the holiness of God looks like. Mm. Oh, that's what love is. Sorry, Mariah Carey. <laughs> I want to know what love is, and I want you to show me. This is God's voice to you. Go into the world and show my love, show my holiness. Yeah. Now, some of you might say, that's a really tall order. Heck yes. <laughs> that's, that's an order, that's a, that's a job description way past any of our own ability. when we separated from God. But you see, the solution that God made for the, the world was that his presence would come and reside in us through the reconciliation he brought about through Jesus Christ. And now we, we most certainly can show the love and holiness of God by yielding to the presence of God within us, to following the leading of the Holy Spirit, to, to being obedient to the presence of God taking us through our life, to, to being able to follow his dictates and his ways by virtue of his grace within us. Come on. Now there are some of you who are saying, you know, I just don't feel close to God. There's some of you who, who at some stage, you, you have made a commitment to be close to God, but, but maybe that's, that's waned, and you're thinking, gosh, if I have to do that, how would I do that now? Don't worry, I'm going to pray for you right at the end. There's some of you that, that maybe you have never actually uh, accepted that, that reconciliation, that you could be close and inhabited by the presence of God. Don't worry, I'm going to pray for you at the end. So we are created in his image. We reflect God's love and holiness to the world. Good. So have dominion. All of you know that very dominating person. They're not sitting here, but you know them. That very dominating, controlling person that always wants it th their way, and they could easily just read the scripture and say, see, have dominion, it's part of my mandate. I'm supposed to be in charge and in control of this environment. But I want you to notice something. That when the Bible, when God spoke to Adam and Eve, and the Bible says to us to have dominion, 
It doesn't ever tell us to have dominion over another person. You see, human beings are meant to walk shoulder to shoulder, together, as partners, as a team. But it does say that we have dominion over nature. Remember I said God ordered the world in those six days, Genesis, six days of creation. And at the end, all the way through, he says it's good. And then right at the end, he says it's very good. What he didn't say is it's perfect. He says it's good and very good. You see, there were things in creation that God left undone. Because his purpose was to take arms with humanity and continue, continue the ordering of creation until it perfectly reflected his nature and his kingdom. Yeah. That's our goal. That, that's our end. That's our job description is to, with God, to order the chaos of, of creation and can make it conform to the image of God. In other words, we are meant to create vaccines. Yeah. We are meant to build bridges. We are meant to make cities. We are meant to do medical science and, and harness the forces of nature through physics and engineering. We are meant to do this in partnership with God, bringing about his perfect plan for the earth, ordering all of the chaos of creation into something that looks like the nature and character of Jesus. This is who we are. Isn't that exciting? My dad loved to fix things. Absolutely loved to fix things. And he had three girls, and he didn't care that we were girls. He made us fix them with him. Did he need us? Not in your wildest imagination. We made it so much harder for us. Did he want us? Absolutely. I passed him spanners. I cut wires. I turned bolts. I did pumped tires, I did everything with him and I felt like him and me were co-creating together. When that car engine purred afterwards, I was like, see what I did. <laughs> you see, this is how God is. He's raising sons and daughters and he's walking with us and saying, come, Let's make this work together. I'll give you the ideas. They're here. Hand me that spanner. Let's make the storm still. Let's harness this energy. Let's build this thing. Let's make this work. Let's destroy this virus. Let's, let's make things better. That's who we are. That's who we are. Yes. It makes me excited. The New Testament takes this concept and uses different words for it, but it says things like, uh, talking about the kingdom, it says in Matthew 10, um, as you go, I proclaim as you go, he's saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can you see the same thing coming through? We are meant to stand in the world and say, not that way, the kingdom of heaven is here, go this way. That's what it means to have dominion. Pray then like this, he said in Matthew 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are meant to pray, work, do, love, act. 
so that his kingdom comes, so that the dominion of Jesus Christ is seen all over, that we, we, are, we are with God ordering the chaos around us to make it represent his love and his life and his holiness. We are partnering with God as his image bearers to facilitate the fullness of his kingdom coming in creation. And no, your eyes aren't going crazy. That is out of focus. But we will have it better next week. Building has its problems. The good future of the world is found in the partnership between God and mankind. The good future of the world is found in the partnership between God and mankind. Because God is good and empowering beyond your wildest imagination and humans are valuable beyond what you've ever thought. So I want to pray for people. I said right at the beginning, or halfway through the sermon, that I would pray for people who are feeling far from God. And you might, you, there, there are three categories of those kind of people. You might be right with God, but it's just a feeling of distance. And, and the thought of showing his image is, is tough for you. Mm-hmm. You feel like, I just, I just need breakthrough where I am. That's one category of people. There's another category of people where, where you know what? You can't remember a time when you made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. And you need to do that today. And then there's a third category of people. You have made a commitment to follow him, but you have just found yourself just straying other ways, being distracted by things, and, and you want to turn your attention back to him so that the image of God can be polished, so to speak, in your life. And so if that's you and you would like pray in any of that regard, I'm going to ask you to stand. Any of three of those categories, won't you, won't you stand? And I want to pray for you. You just want to feel closer to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. So great. Thank you. Thank you. Church, can we just extend our hands to these? Lord Jesus, I ask for each and every one here, Lord God, that you would, you would deliver them from the distance between you and them. I'm gonna ask us all to pray this. You may have prayed it before, but let's just all pray it together. Lord Jesus, I come and I surrender my life to you. Lord, I acknowledge that there's distance between you and me. Lord God, come and save me. Fill up that gap. Lord Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. And I acknowledge you as such. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Lord, I bless these in Jesus' name. I want to ask all of you, if you wouldn't mind making your way to the info table afterwards and just just letting them know that you have made this decision. We would, for instance, we would love you to be a part of Ignition so that you can you can just, we can walk with you to, to order your steps and help you to solidify what you've done today in your everyday life. So thank you. You may, you may be seated. The last category of people I want to talk about, talk to is everyone in this hall. I want to talk to you about your daily work. 
your daily relationships. I want to talk to you about the image of God, and I want to pray for that to exude from you. I want to pray that you would be effective in having dominion. The ideas and the wisdom of heaven would be upon you to bring your environment into the acknowledgement of the glory of God. So I'm going to ask you all to stand. And I want you, while you're standing, to think of two things. First of all, I want, you to, I want you to think of two people in your life to whom you can show the glory of God, can show the image of God. And I want you to ask God to give you ideas for actions, prayers, acts of love and service to them, conversations, opportunities to share your testimony, opportunities to invite them to church or connect group. I want, I want you to think of two people that you can show the image of God to this week. And we're going to pray for them and for you in those relationships. And then I want you to think of one sticky problem in your life today where clearly the kingdom of God is not evident. And I want us to pray that God would come there and that he would use you to bring his rule and reign there. So Father, just raise your hands to heaven, indicate that you're receiving from him. Lord God, I pray for every person that these people have thought about. Lord God, I ask that you would give them opportunity to share the life and the image of God with these people, that, that people would see Christ in them, the hope of glory, that, that Lord God, you would give them thoughts, conversations, opportunities, um, declarations, actions, that would help, would help the image of God to be shown to these people, Lord God. And for those people they're thinking of, Lord God, would you pull down the strongholds of ungodliness in their minds and hearts? Lord God, would you, the things that have prevented them from knowing you would, you, would you push them away, Lord God? And would you cause those people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And Lord God, I pray for that, that difficult, tricky situation that everyone has thought of. Lord God, and I ask for the wisdom of heaven on each one of these. I ask for the power of heaven on each one of these, Lord God, that as they face that situation, Lord God, your life and power and presence would come in astounding ma ma manner, measures and manners, Lord God. I pray, Father God that you would break through in power, Lord God, that those situations would be brought under your dominion through us, Lord Jesus, that we would manifest your love and holiness in ways, Lord God, that, that would cause those situations to be turned around. Thank you, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Especially, I feel like there's some people that are facing financial difficulties and financial constraints. Lord God, right now, I speak to those constraints and I command them to be stepped aside. I command that those walls to fall in Jesus' name. And I speak to these resources that are needed for the situation. I say, come right now in Jesus' name. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. You must come resources, finances, you must come to the situation that God's kingdom could come and his will could be done in that situation. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Worship team, do we have a song? Let's go for it.
at our information table. We'll get you all the information. There's a teacher we'll get to you. Otherwise, have a blessed week further. Take him, release him, enjoy him, and become more like him. Amen. God bless you. You said.